Hi, and welcome to Rich in Relationship. I'm Rich Heller, and today we're interviewing Susan Hansen of Hansen and Hildebrand, and she's also the co-founder of the Family Mediation Center. She's been practicing alternative dispute resolution for quite some time and family law for 35 years. How are you today, Susan? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Rich. It's good to be here. That came out kind of funny. How are you today, Susan? I'm a little, I'm a little mechanical. Are we starting over? No, oh. never. It's okay to be, it's okay. All right, just checking. Okay. So the first question I ask everybody is, yeah, you would think what kind of goofy guy would slap himself in the face during a video blog? I'm that guy. Like I, I figure we're human beings, it's okay. So the first question I ask everyone is not what kind of goofy guy would do that. The first question I ask everyone is, how did your heart lead you into the work that you do today? I won't comment on the goofy guy intro, so I'll just go with what I know, which is what led me to where I am today. And it really began with my early years as a public school teacher. Um, I developed a deep concern and passion to help children and to really focus on their well-being and helping maximize their potential. Um, I actually went to law school with the idea that I could get a legal education, be a lawyer, and help people. Mm. Um, I originally did a lot of child advocacy in abuse, neglect, and then ultimately divorce cases. And I became very dismayed by the impact that I saw the adversarial legal process have on children and their families and the potential of escalating conflict and the harm that that could bring. Mm -hmm. So over time, I found first with collaborative practice as an out of court team process and more recently with mediation that those processes helped really give me a personal path to use my legal expertise to go back to helping families rather than being a weapon in a legal war. So it really became a full circle path for me uh, back to my passion of helping families. I love that. I love how your personal journey reflects the court journey um, of sort of acknowledging the impact of what traditional litigation was having and how that's shifted into collaborative and mediation. And actually, I think even in the world of litigation today, there's the realization that 95 or 97% of all litigation cases settle out of court anyway, and that that doesn't have to be as adversarial as it once was. And I think the reality is not only are you correct on the percentages for settlement or ending cases by agreement, but we're also dealing with a climate now where the vast majority of individuals in most states are choosing to proceed without lawyers. And while lawyers might not always have taken that as a wake up call or a prompt for self-reflection and change, I personally see those choices as not just driven by cost, which is certainly a factor, but also driven by kind of a sad evolution of lawyers being perceived as exacerbating conflict instead of being perceived as problem solvers who can resolve conflict. So I think that public perception uh, has been a component of the self-representation. 
And I actually think some of the advocacy pieces have gotten too adversarial, too expensive, uh, too ignoring the needs and interests of families and children. I started my career interviewing hundreds of children as a court appointed lawyer. I think if every divorce lawyer did that and had to sit across the table from young children, uh, it would transform them as lawyers as it certainly has with me. Um, it also convinced me, by the way, that mental health professionals are far more gifted and skilled in interviewing children than lawyers. So um, I've kind of also evolved with that as part of my practice is an interdisciplinary approach. Well, there are certainly, I'm going to stand up for lawyers for a second. There's certainly lawyers who have high levels of empathy and even training uh, and, and are effective with children. But as a mental health professional, uh, I would have to at least say that the, the ba your base training as an attorney and your base training as a mental health professional are pretty uh, distinct and separate especially especially specialty specialities and it would yeah mental health professionals one would hope would naturally make a better connection with children than attorneys might on some level uh, but and for, but fortunately that I think that is shifting and I, I think what I you know what I love about what you said is, I think the reason why we're in this this room together is my heart is really with children. You know, my, my practice, my work is built on the concept that children don't need to be in the middle uh, between the parents and they don't need to be off to the side. They need to be front and center. They need to be the primary concern. And I think for so long in divorce, people just assumed that, oh, children, they're resilient. It'll be okay. They'll recover, and it's true. Children are resilient, but that that almost it was almost necessary to have a certain level of denial about what the children were going through in order to proceed with the divorce. And I think that that that's we're starting to move beyond that now, to where people can think about their children and redefine their relationship so that they're they're not married anymore, but they're parenting in a way that. Uh, having a relationship that works that's not living together and still haven't worked for the kids you know and that's a big that's a big mindset shift uh, for people you know it's for to go from divorce is war to you know this relationship isn't working what can we do to have it work it, it might be living apart but it needs to work because we've got these kids uh so you've been on this journey exploring collaborative law and mediation as part of that movement and I understand that you're the co-founder of the Mediation Center. I'd love to hear more about uh, how you founded it. And especially, I'm sure that the last year of the pandemic has had a huge impact on that institution. So we started the Family Mediation Center. For me, it was a bit of an offshoot from my early years with collaborative practice. Um, I was president of International Academy of Collaborative Professionals, very active in the collaborative field. And one of the greatest things that I learned was the value of interdisciplinary practice. Mm. And so I worked often with child specialists and financial neutrals. So the child specialist, to your point, could bring the voice of the children into focus when parents are making decisions. I reframed my view that divorce, in fact, can be restructuring of a family and finances. Uh, it doesn't have to be a war. And so I took that interdisciplinary 
learning curve from collaborative practice and brought it into mediation. And one of the concerns I had was cost and making mediation an affordable option. So my law partner and I created an adjunct business that we called Family Mediation Center. And the Family Mediation Center, we're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but we service statewide and we do some training even beyond state boundaries. And the Family Mediation Center is designed to be an affordable option where a couple can work with a neutral lawyer mediator to help them as an educator and a guide, a negotiation coach, uh, putting together their agreements, working in tandem with child specialists or financial neutrals as needed. But the idea is to make it affordable. So we have a panel of independent mediators who work under our umbrella of Family Mediation Center. The first two hours with a lawyer mediator is $250. So we open the door to that education and that option and helping people understand they have a process choice at the outset. And that process choice is gonna profoundly impact not only the rest of their divorce case, but the rest of their lives in terms of children, parents, and finances. So we started Family Mediation Center. Um, it's expanding uh, as public awareness grows. I think mediation is actually an excellent bridge for many couples between do-it-yourself and the risks that can come with ill-informed decisions, and then two lawyers in a court or collaborative process. So mediation is a bridge of a one lawyer as a neutral, helping as a guide and educator. Mm -hmm. And Family Mediation Center is a price point that virtually almost any couple can afford, at least for that initial education. And from there, they can choose whether to work in that process. And for our listeners, just in case you're not clear, so in the divorce world, depending on your state, there are three ways that you can go at it. One is sort of the traditional litigation, which you've heard us describe as having its roots in warfare, maybe less so now. And on the other end, there's what Susan just described, which is mediation, where you have one person who is mediating between a couple and they're helping them to come to a settlement that actually it, it, the law is a backdrop for that, but not necessarily a requirement. Whereas in litigation, the law is always a requirement. And in the mediation process, both couples will usually have outside attorneys that they'll bring the finished agreement to just to vet and make sure that the language is okay. And then collaborative law, for those of you who don't know, are when two attorneys agree that they're going to, they're not going to litigate. So they sign a document, a waiver saying, I'm here with this, if this collaborative process doesn't succeed for some reason, we're not going to go to litigation. Uh, so and what they're stating is that they're going to have a friendlier. Uh, as the word implies, collaborative approach. And there's cost differences to all three approaches. In theory, though, you know, there is some argument within the profession. Litigation is the most expensive. Mediation is the least expensive. And collaborative falls somewhere in the middle. But those numbers may be shifting. So Susan, how did the last year of the pandemic impact the mediation center? I mean, I, I'm guessing, I know here in New York, I'm going to give you a frame for that. Here in New York, the courts were closed or relatively inaccessible. And so it seemed like the only way people could move their divorces forward was through a collaborative process or through mediation. And I'm wondering if that was true in Wisconsin. 
Yeah, and just one point on the numbers and the range of options, and that's to be sure the listeners are aware that the most chosen option is actually do it yourself. So when we look at Wisconsin- I'm the least, Probably the least expensive. <laughs> it is, well, it depends. Uh, too often the do it yourself can make mistakes and end up back in court later mm. with high conflict and high expense. So there are risks to it. But in Wisconsin, that number is over 70%. Wow. States around the country where it's higher than 70%. You know, I had no idea. It's interesting how many people kind of block that out and aren't aware. And frankly, many lawyers would like to ignore the fact that that is in fact the most chosen op option nationwide. And so when I mention mediation, it's really an alternative to do it yourself, even more so than for people who feel they have the need and want individual lawyers. Some people do need individual legal representation. So what I see with mediation is more an alternative to do it yourself. And for the pandemic, um, obviously, like everyone, we were kind of reeling, relationships were uh, reeling, people were shut down, there was certainly a lot of slowdown in any legal process. Um, mediation became, via Zoom, <laughs> a very realistic option for people who wanted to proceed. I think for many people, they went into emotional survival mode, mm. financial survival mode. So certainly there was some decline in terms of people looking to go through a legal divorce during mm -hmm. the pandemic. I can also say there's been an upsurge since as people have come through that. Um, and there's been an upsurge of interest in mediation as mm -hmm. people did manage for some of them to negotiate that shut down time together, they now want to negotiate a separation or divorce together. I will also say for some, it also was a dangerous time. There was a significant escalation in domestic violence. Yes. Um, again, mediation with either couples separated or via Zoom does become an option for individuals to navigate a separation and divorce with the least amount of professional cost, the least amount of time, um, the least amount of conflict. So the interest in mediation is at a significant upsurge, um, at least in the areas where I practice. And Family Mediation Center is getting referrals from judges and courts in addition to people finding us via the internet because it is an alternative that allows better informed decisions. It allows, in some instances, in some states, um, the navigating of the legal process, the filing of the papers, the things that the court system needs to finalize a divorce. Mediation can be a great sort of guide and navigator through the process. So we're definitely seeing an upsurge. So what would be an advantage of mediation over DIY, do it yourself. Okay, first let me acknowledge my bias. <laughs> I am a lawyer, so um, I have my views on- Okay, so one advantage is you'd make money. <laughs> do it yourself, uh, it certainly ha has the advantage of initially being least expensive. I also need to say, I think there's great power imbalance. I think a kitchen table divorce is not 
a good idea for some couples. I think that the kitchen table is not always safe. It is not always balanced. There are levels of knowledge and finance and power and control uh, that can play out in a relationship. And there's no balancing to that in the do-it-yourself. But I would say also that what I've seen as a lawyer is the biggest upsurge in cases in our family courts has been post-judgment litigation, mm -hmm. meaning people who return to court after a divorce because they have a conflict over children or finances. That has definitely increased exponentially with the do-it-yourself divorces. They don't know what they don't know. And so pensions and allocations and details for co-parenting, um, how child support or spousal maintenance and support are calculated. There are a lot of things they don't know. So they check boxes and they get their divorce done, but they don't do it right or someone didn't understand. And they're often back after a divorce often in very expensive conflict uh, post-judgment to try to fix mistakes that were made. So the idea of getting education before a divorce begins is probably my biggest message to anyone thinking of divorce. Understand your options for process, mediation, collaborative, traditional, understand the law and what it says so that you can make the best decisions for yourself and your family. I want to make a pitch for mediation as a non-lawyer. Would that be okay? Yeah, I'm not sure. I just so you know, I've tried to correct all my lawyer friends from using the phrase non-lawyer. It does kind of say that lawyers are at the center and everyone else is when not. It, in my but, mind, in my mind, when it comes to divorce, lawyers are very much at this. Even though I understand there are mental health practitioners who practice divorce mediation, I don't do that. Because I, I believe firmly that the law is a backdrop and that lawyers are better equipped to incorporate that backdrop in the divorce mediation process. But as a marital mediator, someone who, uh, who works with couples in high conflict and uses mediation as a tool for helping them to work through that, the, the real strength of mediation over doing it yourself in any, con in any context is that number one, you've got a neutral in the room who will call out power imbalances. Number two, because you have a third party in the room, that person is going to make sure that there's a set process of building agreements for a smaller agreement than larger agreements. Number three, the mediation process itself lends, its, lends itself to allowing people to get off of their positions, their judgments, and their beliefs about one another and get to underlying values and that, that agreements in a mediation process can be based on those values instead of compromising from those positions. And I think when you're in the DIY process, it is rare that anyone is so enlightened that they get off of their position and focus on values. I think that it's much easier with another person and a, who has been trained in a process and knows where the train is going, so to speak, to help people to get to those underlying values and create agreements that they emotionally buy into so that it does not have to go back to court. Half the problem with DIY or even litigation, let's just on the other end, with agreements that come out of litigation is if people do not move forward emotionally with the legal process, even if the agreement is equitable, they don't feel that it is and they're gonna go back to court. And I actually have a boatload of clients coming to me right now who are in the midst of um, the other partner trying to renegotiate their child 
with their parenting agreement because they feel that it's inequitable or they feel something's wrong, even though the agreement legally has good standing. Uh, and, and that's just testimony to, it's so important for us to be emotionally bought in, especially when you're talking about renegotiating a relationship on this level. And that is my pitch for mediation. And I do think that it also shifts to the parties feeling more ownership in the process. Yes. We think about how many people are navigating divorce with no professional input, no education, no assistance. It's ripe for mistakes. Yeah. Um, they want to get it over with. <laughs> Very few people want to spend a long time exactly. in the process. So you can get it over with quickly. But if you don't have the kind of conversations you're discussing, the depth, the value, frankly, the child focus. I work in an interdisciplinary process with mental health professionals as child specialists who meet with the children, give feedback to the parents so that the entire family system is discussed and restructured the best way possible. Um, most people, again, are coming to no one. So my pitch for mediation is really about education. There are a lot of couples who are not in conflict. But they are in ignorance. They did not, they do not understand often the importance of the foundation discussions and really crafting a well-structured agreement with details and thorough sharing and listening to one another so that they don't end up back in court or in a cycle of litigation post-divorce. Yeah. So that education piece is where mediation is a perfect fit because they're not hearing disparate legal advice. They are hearing legal information from a neutral source that can help them make the best decisions possible. Be that legal decisions with me or family restructured decisions with a mental health professional. Now, of course, there's a whole bunch of other factors that we haven't talked about and that we don't really have time for. That could be like a whole other episode that contribute to this. You know, if you're uh, relatively young and haven't been married very long and your shared assets are limited, it's probably a lot easier to do a DIY than anything else. If you have children, things get more complicated. Um, if you've been married for a long period of time, you know, things get more complicated. If, uh, if you're highly contentious, you know, that may, it may be much more difficult to use mediation and certainly to do a DIY agreement. But there's so many factors that play in here. Uh, listen, I want to thank you for taking the time to meet with me. It's su such a pleasure to have you on the show and to see your happy, smiling face. I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everybody at the end of the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. It has nothing to do with goofiness. It's all about what's the legacy that Susan Hansen wants to leave behind? Well, First, I'd like to thank you for having me on as this is my passion. Um, I'm at a point in my career where I care more about making a difference. And frankly, my goal is to try to help transform the culture of family law. Um, it's probably not gonna be achieved in my lifetime, but I'm gonna keep working at it because I think we've demonized divorce. And I think it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of conflict. And if we could transform the perspective from the outset 
that divorce is in fact a restructuring of family and of finances and focus on it as a problem solving uh, goal of helping people achieve a well-informed agreement, I think for many couples, that will be a fit, not for every couple, but for most by far. So if we can transform the culture of family law from a high conflict court-based approach to a more problem-solving education, peaceful resolution, to me, it will be the greatest gift and legacy for families and for their children. So. That's my goal. It's going to take a lot more than me to do it, but I think that it's possible. Awesome. I love that vision. All right. Well, uh, oh, I, let's not forget, how can people find you? People can find me either through our law firm, which is Hansen and Hildebrand. Uh, we have a website, www.h-law.com. They can also find me through our Family Mediation Center, which is www.familymediationcenter.org. Uh, feel free to email me directly at sah at h-law.com. So I'm easily found on the internet. Feel free to reach out. Uh, as you can tell, I enjoy the conversation and would welcome any input or insights from all sources. Terrific. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rich.